Welcome to How I Lawyer, a podcast where I talk to attorneys from throughout the profession about what they do, why they do it, and how they do it well. I'm your host, Jonah Perlin, a law professor in Washington, D.C. This episode is sponsored, edited, and engineered by my friends at Law Pods. Law Pods is a professional podcast production company focused solely on attorney podcasting. I absolutely love working with them, and if you're considering becoming a legal podcaster or just want to learn more, check them out at lawpods.com. And now, let's get started. In this mini episode of How I Lawyer, recorded live at ClioCon in Nashville, I spoke with Neil Katyal, who's a partner at Hogan Lovells and the former Solicitor General of the United States. Most importantly for my purposes, though, he was also my criminal law professor when I was a student at Georgetown. In our brief chat, we discussed the importance of speaking to your audience as a lawyer and his take on what law schools can do better to train the next generation of attorneys. Here's my conversation with Neil. Great. Well, we're live at ClioCon in Nashville with my former professor, and more importantly, former acting solicitor general, and now at Hogan Lovells, Neil Katyal, and just so excited to be able to talk to you for a couple of minutes. So oh, thanks for being here. Well, thank you. It's a particular delight to be on your podcast since you were one of my students. Absolutely. Absolutely. So look, we were talking a little bit before this, and you mentioned that you're going to be talking tomorrow about sort of persuasion and various audiences. And you've had a pretty unique career talking to lots of different audiences. And I guess I'm curious if there are any sort of techniques or brass tacks that you think about when you're trying to persuade, especially depending on the audience that you're speaking to. Yeah, I think persuasion is about truly having a conversation with someone. And so I came into being a lawyer the roundabout way. I was a law professor first, really, um, and then a a lawyer And as a law professor, I think one of the things you're doing in the classroom is truly trying to listen to what your student is asking and trying to answer it. Mm. And you're not really actively trying to persuade as much as you're trying to understand their mindset. And I think so much oral argument in the courts is the opposite. It's like someone who comes in and wants to give a speech and who has their nine bullet points, you know, written and ready to go. And... Like the talk I'm going to give tomorrow is about like basically how to flip that and to say, really, the art of persuasion is the art of listening. And I know right now, many people, at least on, uh, you know, uh, many people are worried about the Supreme Court and its direction, particularly after the Dobbs abortion decision. And one of the things I want to talk about is how we can't give up. We can't just walk in and think all is lost. At the same time, we have to try and understand the philosophies of the nine jurists on the court uh-huh. and try and work within that framework. You're not going to you know, get them to toss out the framework, but if you can work within it, then maybe you can make some modest gains. And so does it really come down to audience? Is that one of the focuses that you think about? So it's message, what you want to say, listening, but also who you're speaking to. So as the court changes, therefore, what you say has to change too. Yes, it's a great question. And you're absolutely right. So like I started arguing at the court, even actually my first case, Guantanamo in 2006, when I filed it, Justice O'Connor was on the court. And she cared a lot about the facts of individual cases. Sure. And I created that test case in part for her. But then she resigned. And so we, our strategy had to change. Mm. And now our strategy is changing back a little bit, I would say, 
to thinking a little more about the facts because you now have two trial judge, former trial judges on the Supreme Court, Justice Jackson and Justice Sotomayor, who really do actually care about the individual circumstances in a case and are trying to draw general principles from that, which is the, whereas the other seven, I would say, generally are starting with the general principle and then maybe applying it to the individual case. Sure. So for my other question, I want to switch gears a little bit. You know, you, as you said, started as a law professor before you became a lawyer or a practicing lawyer, however you want to put that. One of the questions that I always have is, as a practicing lawyer, what are we not doing in law schools or what are we doing well to train our students to enter the profession? I mean, we're at a legal tech conference, so technology could be one of them. How to use audience could be another. What are some of the things that you think law schools are doing particularly well or could do better on in terms of training future lawyers? Well, I've never been asked that question before, but it's the first answer. And it's the right, like I'm 100% believe that our law schools today need to do more of what you're doing, Jenna, which is teaching people how to write. And um, that is a real problem. It's hard to do at scale. It's hard to do when you have students who are great writers who come into law school and who aren't. Um, but I can tell you that there's no complaint I get more from partners at law firms than that. And it's true of the great law schools like Georgetown, the schools that aren't so great, whatever. They're all suffering from this basic problem. So that's number one. Number two, I think this is a little bit of an effect of the U.S. News and World Report rankings for the last 30 years where Yale comes out on top and then you have other schools trying to chase Yale and trying to be Yale. And Yale works for that school, but I don't think that model works elsewhere. And that is, you know, the kind of very heavy emphasis on theoretical legal scholarship to the detriment of teaching people how to be lawyers. I'm not mm -hmm. saying they need to learn the ins and outs of the Uniform Commercial Code. That's sure. not at all what I'm saying. But I am saying that some grounding in reality <laughs> isn't necessarily the worst thing. Amen. Um, and, you know, I like the uh, theoretical stuff. And in fact, when I came out of law school and took that job teaching at Georgetown, I was writing purely theoretical articles. And that's what I thought I'd be. And I learned so much that way. And I'm so grateful to my law school for teaching me all that. But I do think that oh, the schools have en masse gone a little overboard in the other direction. Well, that's great. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat. Thank and, you. Uh, and I hope our paths cross back home in DC. I would love that. All right, okay, be well. Thank you. Again, I'm Jonah Perlin, and this is the How I Lawyer podcast. Thanks to podcast sponsor Law Pods for their expert editing. If you're a lawyer considering starting your own podcast, definitely check them out at lawpods.com. And thanks to you for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, I hope you'll consider sharing it with friends and colleagues or on social media. And of course, if you haven't already done so, please sign up for the email list at howilawyer.com or subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. As always, if you have comments, suggestions, or ideas for the show, please reach out to me at howilawyer at gmail.com or at Jonah Perlin on Twitter. Thanks again for listening and have a great week. 